for the mics and the people they bite. mics and the people they bite hello and welcome to we bought a mic episode 14 welcome everyone we heard that it was really big on youtube if you just whisper and you're like a hot girl or something and people will watch it and totally not jack off to it thank god drew's a hot girl yeah thank, thank god, god we're all hot girls yeah thank god we're all effeminate and hunky so we're just gonna do a few unique little did you just call us a very hunky. very quiet noises for you Jesus Christ! <laughs> way to alienate. I'm your host, Ernest yeah, Calderon. Everyone turned it way up in the car. <laughs> I'm your host, Hunter Mobley. <clears throat> I'm sick, Drew Dietzen. And our first returning guest. Whoa. Brett Nemiroff. How's it going, guys? Welcome back, dude. How's you, it going? Are you flattered? Am I flattered that I'm your first return guest? Yeah, and yeah. please, uh, you know, return the favor and, like, invite us to something. Uh, no. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> we have some great stuff for you today on this wonderful, wonderful uh, pre-Thanksgiving app. Hope everyone had a... Hey, guys, let's just go around. What are you thankful for? <laughs> I knew he was going to fucking do that. I'm um, thankful for Zack Snyder and the fact that he obviously knows the right people in Hollywood to keep getting invited back to these giant projects that he guys, does a, a mediocre job at. Drew, you can't say that his, his daughter killed herself. Come on, dude. You can't say that. Zach, have you been doing okay since your daughter committed suicide? Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for uh, Lady Bird. Great oh. film. Ooh, yeah. Independent filmmaking, A24. You know what? I'm thankful for you guys. If it wasn't for you, I would be nothing. Mm. I would hate myself. I probably would already be dead in like a ditch somewhere. Mm-hmm. When you kill yourself, Except for my you girlfriend, kill yourself in a you. ditch. Don't, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful for the footage that exists somewhere of Superman actually having a mustache during the entirety of Justice League. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see that cut, that pre-rendered. Uh, yeah, yeah. I heard in that cut, Henry Cavill's performance is Oscar worthy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today on the pod, we're going to bring you a review of the new Warner Brothers product, Justice League. It's better to call it a product than actual yeah, film. Yeah, and we're going to be getting into some movie news and what we've been watching, including seeing the Front Bottoms live in concert. Ooh, and also, uh, Brett has a little segment he's going to introduce here. But uh, before we get to any I've, of I've that, already seen Brett's segment. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> before we get to any of that, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, a new review we have on our iTunes page. You oh. can leave us a review 
Uh, we bought a mic on iTunes. We have a five-star rating now, guys. Wow. Sick. Yeah. We made it. We did, made you, it. did your dad not give us a five-star rating? No, we no. It, it, they need enough oh, ratings okay. to give an average. It's not enough if you only have one. So now we have enough to actually have a nice. five-star average. So what's this so, review? Kay Dansky says, love the pod, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Just a funny group of guys talking that allow you to be a fly on the wall observing their everyday conversation. Doesn't feel like it drags on and really does in-depth analysis on all the most current and up-to-date pop culture information. Love the jingles in the beginning. <laughs> wait, wow. who is this person? I, is, this is, one this of, is that one of us? Wait, wait. Do we have people besides just our close friend group listening to this? Shout out to Kay Dansky. Yo, Kay, you're the man. Let us know if you're in the Orlando area and want to be on the pod. Yeah, shout out to you. All right. Um, Yeah, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can... Check us out on Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Email us with any questions. It's also it's touch. a good idea. Uh, John Gabris on his pod, he incentivizes leaving a five star review. He says if you leave him a five star and in the in the review you roast the shit out of him, he reads it every single yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So just just roast us and give us five stars. Yeah, hate mail us. We Let's, don't give a shit. Yeah, keep let us copy other podcasts. <laughs> That's, yeah, uh, right. artist theft. So let's get right into the movie news. First of all, we have MoviePass announcing another price cut. How yeah. how could this be? I don't understand how they're going to stay stay in business past the holiday season because now they're saying that they're going to give a uh, $7 a month fee, but only if you pay for a year's worth of yeah, MoviePass. Yeah, if you buy the full 12 months, Eight, then so you like can get $7. So you have to pay that in a lump sum? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pay like 80 90 bucks. But I mean, I was considering moving to it just because it's not like I'm gonna like cancel Movie Pass anytime soon. What's the current rate that you guys pay? For Ten dollars. Yeah, $10. which is great because yeah. I would not have seen Justice League oh, if it wasn't no. for Movie Pass. Yeah, definitely. Fuck me, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have Movie Pass yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is this is interesting. I feel like this may be a move to try to garner as much uh, of a fan or a audience like subscriber base as possible because i i feel like they're definitely not turning a profit i mean it's it's tough to well it's like a lot of uh online based companies like amazon where they're not turning a profit but it's like a long con yeah type deal right they're not in it for the con. data but I, yeah yeah they're they're collecting data and they're gonna you know turn it's it, all about they're gonna flip it money. into a production company if all goes perfectly well so yeah, it's like you know, it's like uh, what Netflix was for so long. It's like yeah. theoretical money. Yeah, if, exactly. if you can bet on your company being alive for more than a few years, then you could count on like a really long payback period mm-hmm. and just for offer sure. these rates. Exactly. And yeah, the, the, we also have like AMC now, like really pushing against trying to ban Movie Pass users. They still haven't really figured out the like how they can actually do it. Just because I know, whenever Movie Pass first announced their cut down to ten dollars a month they talked about they were going to ban mastercard from all the amc theaters but mastercard's like one of the two biggest card companies in the world well they they did it in denver and boston yeah they successfully did it and the thing with this is like i feel like see there's another side to this MoviePass changed their terms and conditions so that now if you cancel your your subscription you can't re-sign up for another nine months. Whoa. So they're like making people stay on there. Like if they're you like, sign oh, up, you're poor, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like if you sign on, like you're that's it. You know, you have to stay unless you just want to give up your subscription for 
over half a year. So I don't, it's very shaky like business model, but at least we're able to go to the movies a lot for 10 bucks a month. I mean, it's already paid for itself, at least with what we've seen. Yeah, definitely. I'm, so I'm wondering like, why is it worth it for the theaters? And then I think back to the Nathan episode where a big part of the movie theater profits are the snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think it's good for them just to bring people in and well, buy snacks? Yeah, people, I mean, they're kind of struggling really hard right now with getting people, you know, getting butts in seats for, for movies that are not like yeah. the big movies, like, Attendance for like mid tier to lower tier movies is like shit, basically. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Hunter? Oh no, I was just gonna say that. I mean, I think that at this point they're just trying to just throw shit on the wall and see what sticks. And movie movie theaters really make the bulk of their money off of things like drinks and concessions and stuff like that. Like since getting movie passed. I almost always buy like a popcorn and a drink since it's like, well, I save yeah. money buying the ticket yeah. or like so candy or something. I might end up putting money back into the theater yeah. anyways for things that are like almost essentially free for the theater. Yeah. Like, and also if, if you know, it wasn't made by a theater. So theaters have every right to hate it. Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, I'm still going to have movie pass as long as they're in business. See, my biggest they could concern, die out. <laughs> my biggest concern with movie pass is not so much with the theaters, but it's more so with the filmmakers themselves. Like how is <laughs> if a lot of people end up using movie pass, how is that going to be reflected on the box office and mm. like stuff like that? Those numbers, how are these filmmakers going to be able to look at their numbers and see what exactly people how much money they're making off of their movie yeah not much i'm guessing it's already yeah yeah, it's already way harder now uh there was a really good interview with andy richter where he talked about how in tv what is still related the pie is just way bigger now like there it's scattered across so many different platforms that you can have your movie or your television he was saying um he does like you know guest bits on tv shows like he used to with arrested development and he gets paid half of what he used to just because they're not making as much money anymore yeah um and also that like shows that he he had a show called Andy Richter Controls the Universe. It got canceled. He was like, if I had that show now and it got those ratings, it would make it forever. Yeah. Like ratings are lower, but that's just because the pie is huge now. Before, if your show got a million people watching it, that was like not great. Yeah. But now, now that's amazing. Yeah, now that's great. <laughs> so it's, it's just because it's so spread out. But speaking of TV... We have the announcement that George Clooney is coming back to TV with a Catch-22 miniseries. He's directing and starring in a six-episode miniseries. What do you guys think of this? Well, his directorial movies have not been great so far. Yeah. What, what's the consensus on Suburb by Con or whatever? Not it's great. Not, it's not good at yeah. all. Really? Yeah. That's sad. I mean, it looks... Like, I feel like a lot of George Clooney's movies, they have this thing going for them where they think it's an interesting concept, but they become, like, so far up their own asses in Mm. it and just like, oh, yes, we're big and successful and smart. We're all so smart, and everybody in this movie is smart. And it's just... (laughs) It works for uh, his best movie, Good Night and Good Luck. That's a a movie about, like, um, these news guys in the 60s who struggle with like um the red scare and like the government trying to censor things that may be considered communist true and them trying to like report on the on the news is everybody very smart yeah yeah it's a great movie i mean i don't think george clooney's the best director but 
Catch-22 is a really interesting story, so maybe they could do something interesting with it. I, I am a, a fan of the original film starring Alan Arkin, directed by Mike Nichols. It's a movie that's pretty ahead of its time in terms mm. of telling like this sort of surreal, like mosaic-edited mm. style film yeah. that puts you really in the headspace of a man who's going insane in World War II. Like, it's, uh, have you guys read the... Have you guys read the original book? No, I've never. Book? I've always been interested in reading it, but I've never actually had uh, the time to read the original Catch Twenty Two. It's a book. weird book. I mean, yeah. it's just the story of like these guys in Italy in World War Two, like kind of just waiting around, kind of going crazy, mm. tr- trying to trick themselves into staying in war because it's like, are you crazy? because you're in war or are you in war because you're crazy yeah there's i mean there's a reason there's so <laughs> many war movies and yeah. stories it's but not then, just all propaganda it's also a lot of psychological stuff going on there yeah so was george clooney batman because he was crazy or was batman <laughs> crazy so he's george clooney yeah i think that's just joel schumacher's fault have you guys ever seen the ides of march no. Did he direct that? Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. It's it's With really Ryan Gosling. though. It's really, <laughs> really up its own ass. That Leatherheads is like his most like fun movie, I guess. It's not a great Sports movie ball. at all. Yo, it's John Krasinski. Like, yeah, John Krasinski's in it. It's not like a great movie or anything, but it's mm. like his most like laid back film that well, I feel like he's directed. More important than anything, we get to find out about all the goofy pranks that Clooney's gonna pull on set. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Boy. Every single time that a new movie with Clooney comes out, like he doesn't do the late night shows so much, but all his co-stars, Jimmy Fallon, every single time will be like, "So I heard that Clooney's kind of a prankster." Oh, <laughs> and they, they go into like all these stories, like, "Yeah, he put a piece like a dog bag of dog shit on my doorstep." <laughs> He's so funny and cute. Oh, God, he's a real Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, problematic. Okay, last little bit of news here. <laughs> oh no problematic <laughs> battlefront 2 is causing up a ruckus oh yeah ea is at it again yeah e- I-, e- I mean ea for years has been getting massive backlash online but from like reddit specifically uh it just hasn't made a big enough dent in their sales yet to justify them actually doing anything about changing all these little microtransactions you have to make in these games just to unlock things like darth vader yeah. you have to either spend money or grind forever and ever Grind for like 40 hours a week. But it's not just the characters. It's also like how good your your own like skill set is yeah. in the multiplayer. Like you can pay for stronger health. Like oh, yeah. Less damage. The like, quality of the game is effect- is compromised. It's completely. paid. It's literally pay to win. This, this is something I'm going to talk about more later in my segment. But a great way to absolutely destroy your game is to add these microtransactions mm-hmm. that give you an edge on other players. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is uh, as of this week, Hawaii and the, like the state of Hawaii and the country of Belgium have deemed this game gambling. Yeah. And have deemed it illegal yeah, for children yeah, to play. Yeah, dignitaries are finally saying, hey, this this is getting kids into gambling because like things like loot boxes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's finally, finally, like there's been massive uh, backlash, you know, specifically on Reddit and just like, you know, gaming journalism and all those websites like G4 or whatever. But it's finally making an actual dent in the sales. And that's, you know, we want to think, oh, they'll have a moral shift or whatever and they'll change their mind. But no, yeah. the money talks, they're going to have to see it in the, you know, in their paycheck. So 
Uh, I read that sales for the game were down like 60%. From the first one? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Well, and so it, uh, it's actually finally mattering. Yeah, because all of this information came out about the microtransactions when the beta was released, which yeah. was the yep. week before. And that was when people actually did the math and realized like, well, shit, my credits like disappear after a certain period of time. I have to basically put 40 hours a week into this game. It's like a job. Yeah. It's like a full-time Yeah, job. literally. It's just targeting like 13-year-old boys with no lives at all. Yeah. yeah. I can just sit at home and just play video games. I, for, yeah, I read a total no. tally. If you were to buy everything you can buy in that game, it would be $2,100. Jesus Christ. Fucking Christ. Why just play the old Battlefront for PS2? That's my plan. Is I'm just gonna go (laughs) plug in my PS2 and play Battlefront 2. That way I'll have Galactic Conquest. I won't have to pay for anything. And it's a way better game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you still get your Star Wars experience. Like I just hate that EA are the people who are making this game because we should have a great Star Wars Battlefront game. Like with the way that games have advanced in recent years and with this all these new characters and new stories that they could tell this game should be great but it's just not because ea is just a shitty company yeah and now that for the money now that disney has their hands on star wars and like stars is officially back we should be getting amazing games like star games used to be so good you know and it's the older public and now that that lucasfilm is out is is with disney like you think that they'd have that financial backing to really put in the, the good work and time into these games and it's just like no they're just trying to cheat people out of their money and it's it's sad yeah all right let's get to brett's catch-up corner oh oh mommy <laughs> i love ketchup what do you got for us brett let's uh, give us so, a little intro for your new segment here on the show so i guess the the point of this is that i'm going to be catching you guys up on what my life's been like I guess oh. that's the point. What I've been watching, what I've been playing, what I've been yeah, and fucking if, doing you know anything, you anything thinking. that we've talked about that you were listening and you were like, man, you guys are fucking idiots, and you wanted to chime in. <laughs> you're like, you're sitting there in your room. You're just... like, have they even seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> God, <laughs> what do you what do you think about that Lord of the Rings show, real quick? So quickly on that on the Lord of the Rings show, Amazon, it's boy are my expectations low. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I feel. I, I do that a lot with stuff like this. Well, you're a huge. Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, like I, this is a, a very meaningful property mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, you know? so I'm one hundred percent gonna watch it. It's Amazon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I just I just really don't know how they're gonna handle it. I think there should be some some stuff with the other source material. You know, there's other books, there's all all kinds of other material they could use rather than just Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say they tried that with the Hobbit and it was kind of a fail. But that wasn't the Hobbit's fault. It wasn't the fault of the source material. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't the Hobbit's fault. That's that's my all time favorite. Book. How do you feel about what if they did like um, just completely original stories set in Middle Earth, like nothing that's you've seen before, something completely original? It's the the thing with that is just always going to be a like a member type yeah. type deal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you'll see Legolas in the background like, yeah. "Oh, look." It's like no no matter no matter how you boil it down, if you're going to have an original story in the Lord of the Rings universe, there's going to be some little tiny things mm-hmm. that bring you that keep you in that universe. Yeah. And is it really that original? But I guess yeah, if you bring new characters. Yeah. Like every episode starts with them being like, "All right, bye Samwise," and you don't even see him. <laughs> he just like yeah. walks out the door. <laughs> if they if they're trying to do a Game of Thrones type thing, I could see that completely working out. Mm. and kind of just expanding on the universe it's just that would be so hard to write for true but, but what if they actually end up retelling 
fellowship and two towers and return of the king like what if they get to that point i don't i just feel like that wouldn't work at all it would just be so played out like yeah, those, I mean, those movies are really good yeah peter jackson did as good of a job with that material as i think that you can possibly do yeah all right Let's get into Brett's catch-up corner. All right, my catch-up corner. <laughs> so, so just in general with, with my life, I'm, I'm finishing up school. I'm in my last semester for engineering and that final stretch. Well, that doesn't sound like pop culture, but <laughs> um, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, we're on a pop Christ. culture podcast, therefore what he's talking about is pop culture. Don't fucking give me a segment and then tell me what to say <laughs> on my segment. <laughs> we gave him, we gave, gave him too many liberties. He's going off the rails. <laughs> So, uh, oh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about really quick, I know you guys mentioned it prior, was Channel Zero. Ah. I'm a huge creepypasta fan. Growing up, I never really liked scary movies, but I like the idea of reading these scary stories, having them get into my head and having Mm. me really think about it rather than jump scares and all that garbage. So watching Channel Zero, there's a lot that I like about it. There's a lot I kind of don't really like about it, but I feel happy that Max Landis was able to kind of bring these these stories to light and expand on them. Mm. Uh, what's what's the main character's name? Paul. Something? Paul Schneider. How do you I, feel about his performance? <laughs> I, I think I said this to Ernest. He did about as well as he possibly could. Okay. Because I'm re- I'm not really a Paul I can Schneider see that. fan. He yeah no his best performance is definitely in uh, Lars and the Real Girl with Ryan Gosling. Okay. Uh, he plays because he just plays like a really awkward straight man and that's kind of what he's suited for. Well, you yeah. said that Max's role was really to reach out to all these oh, yeah. um, creepy pasta guys on YouTube and see if he could use yeah, their, so, their content on the show, so right? Per, I'll go into why why I found that out. So, per usual, after I watch something like this, I'm kind, kind of heady-ish. I'll, I'll go online and try to find uh, how other people interpret it. So, the first video I find is is prefaced with this dude explaining how Max Landis approached him to use one of his creepypasta properties that he wrote for season two. And the dude pretty much said no, and then Max Landis lied and shit on him all over Twitter. Oh, shit. No way. So the the following review is this guy shitting on season one, obviously, because he, like, hates Max Landis because of this. So I guess Max's role was to go and Max, like, took it personally that he said no. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't, I don't Max know, Landis sucks. I mean, he's a little rich boy, you know. So he's like, "No, I want it. I yeah. want it. I deserve it." Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. Max Landis. So that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. I, but I, you, I really you, like that. yeah, you watched all six episodes and you enjoyed it, right? I definitely enjoyed it. There's just it's some stuff is it's kind of creepy, but why is it even there to begin with? Yeah, I, I remember you saying something about the tooth monster that like you didn't really understand. Yeah, so th- there's the explanation behind there's that. There's a tooth monster. First of all, the makeup and the like the the monsters in this season were amazing. The yeah. tooth monster looks incredible. Really good practical effects. Yeah, but like why the fuck is it there? I get that <laughs> that the twin like Paul Schneider's brother has like an extra tooth in his mouth. Hmm. So then there's he in the physical world, he in the physical world he's represented by this tooth monster that likes to eat teeth. And it's really, it just doesn't really make any sense. It's just to add the creepiness factor to the show. Which it's just works. a good visual. It's, and that's it's about a great, it. It's a great visual. I can see that. Yeah. So never yeah, seen you're not satisfied with show, the buy-in but, of it, of like yeah. you accepting that it's there. Yeah, I'm. I mean, that, that's kind of a theme with me. I know you mentioned that with the good, some of the good mm-hmm. place episodes. If there, if there's not a good buy-in for whatever the the theme is for the episode or for the movie, it's really hard for me to keep. Keep yeah, watching. that's something that does get overlooked a lot, uh, especially in horror, where it's just like you, you, because you really have to be invested in the people if you care that they're like in the on the verge of dying. And a lot of the time with bad horror, the buy-in for like giving a shit about them and under and 
believing what's happening is just not even there. Yeah. All right. So apart from that, I did want to bring up Future Man. I'm not sure if you guys have even mentioned this on the pod yet. Not yet, no. So uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg starring Josh Hutcherson. And I kind of just watched this on a whim. It's on Hulu. And first episode, I'm like, um, it's, it's okay. Second episode, I'm like, all right, I see what's going on here. It's obviously a comedy, and it really never takes itself too seriously. Just when you think this show is taking itself seriously, it hits you with this, this joke that kind of pulls you out of the universe in a really good way that, that makes you know that it's self-aware. So it, it, it ends up kind of being predictable, but it's a lot of fun. Do you guys know the premise of this show? Yeah, it's I watched the first two episodes and it's it starts out really corny and silly because it's just this dude that's like obsessed with this video game played by Josh Hutcherson. And he's just like really into the video game and he like jerks off to the main like female uh, character in it. And you're just like, I'm listening. This is so weird. But then it it takes this turn and I don't want to spoil it because I I recommend you watch it. It's Seth uh, Seth, uh, Rogen Rogen. and Adam and Evan Goldberg. So they're pretty talented directors and, and showrunners. They did Preacher, which I'm a huge fan of. And it takes this turn where like the show is still silly, but it embraces it and mm-hmm. kind of becomes better for it because it starts to kind of become smart in a way with how silly it's being, like the ways it's being silly, the referential humor, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the action is really well done. I think they had a really good budget for this. Yeah. It looks great. The action is great. The, the characters that aren't Josh Hutcherson are kind of over the top. You know, <laughs> he has... I don't know the names of the actors, but there's some really great cameos in this show. His parents are hilarious. The two, like, quote, video game characters that he's on this journey with are really over the top. And if it if it kind of gets in your head, you just got to remember these are, like, actual video game characters. And they're saying lines that they would say if they were in the video game. Yeah. And there is this sort of, like, um, you know approach to the humor that you've seen before where you take like a video game character and you put them in the real world and it's like oh fish like that fish or water yeah, sort of humor yeah. you know that we've we've talked about with thor and and it, it you've seen it before but the way seth and evan approach it it feels a little fresh and the the show gets gory and it gets raunchy mm-hmm. and it it, it kind of goes a little further than other shows would just There's- because these guys are behind it so it's it feels it feels cool. It feels it, fresh. It feel it feels really nice. I I had a blast watching through it. Um, the, the oh, raunchy- you watched you watched all yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I finished it. The raunchiness is really delightful. Like I really <laughs> enjoyed it. There's the names of the episodes are all like puns. There's yeah. I think episode two is called Herbie's, Herbie's Fully Loaded. Herpes, yeah, Herpes Herp- Herpy Fully Loaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's you get into the whole show revolves around kind of like a time travel sort of thing and it gets into the like how does time travel impact reality and it does it really well you're not really questioning why something's happening you're just like that's hilarious and i could see that actually happening true that's cool when i just i i wish it was shorter i i'm kind of getting sick of shows being 13 episodes it's it's really long and well okay actually they're half hour episodes so it's not that bad. But when you have a show like The Punisher on Netflix that's 13 hour long episodes, it's like, I'm not, I'm come not gonna on. Watch. Oh, I don't want right. to. I'm, I'm, I'm that glad note. you're not going to hunt her because I really don't want to watch that. <laughs> so there, the, the character development that happens within these episodes is actually really, really good. And at the So you, you start off with these video game characters and they're, it's, it's them two and it's Josh, Josh Hutcherson. And they go through these changes throughout the whole entire season. And then at the end, you get this juxtaposition with with other characters and you're like wow these characters really did change 
Good. And it's and it's really a, a testament to them. I'll, I'll, I'll I will say a problem that I had with it, without going into spoilers or anything, was there's this theme of rel- relativity and ethics mm. that was brought up really, really briefly, and I was hoping they were going to play with that mm-hmm. for the remainder of the season, and it just drops off. True. Yeah. And I could see them definitely bringing that back in season two. Okay. I think that'll be a big part of season two. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Future Man on Hulu, 13 episodes, right. available now. You got any more catch-up? Yeah. Uh, I did want to mention, just, just as a little uh, intermediate thing, that I don't, I don't you, you listeners out there I'm sure you're enjoying this right now you guys have a few five star reviews but <laughs> none of you time. none of you listeners out there enjoy this show as much as I do oh. let me explain why so these three oh, no. guys here are pretty much my best friends talking about all of my favorite subjects <laughs> questioning almost every episode what I think about things even when I'm not there <laughs> And I'm, I just always have a blast yeah, when I listen to it. That's why I like listening to Colin Snyder, because they're always like, yeah, I've heard Drew fucking hates this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I do, I do. <laughs> oh, well, we're happy to have you on, Brett. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to bring that up. You're it's our... almost like Brixby Bear. Like, it's for you. Exa- yeah. Exactly. It's like, this this <laughs> podcast is for me, yeah. yeah. So then the, the last thing I wanted to bring up in my segment was what I've been playing. I know you guys have talked about that a little bit with the, with the Wii stuff. So I've been back on old school RuneScape. Ooh, and a lot nice. of, a yeah, you've lot been, of you've been back on that for a minute now. Yeah, I've been back on it for a minute now. And let me just give you a little background before I get into what I want to talk about. So the RuneScape that a lot of us remember playing as as kids, you know, back in two thousand six seven, that game still exists now, having been updated up to this point. Mm. And in that game, there have been lots of updates. It looks completely different. It's unrecognizable from the original game, including microtransactions and all that. But I'll get into that. Ugh. So a few years ago, maybe four years ago. Jagex, the company who makes RuneScape, found on a USB drive the servers as they existed in 2007 of August. Had a poll online, got hundreds of thousands of signatures or a million signatures or something, brought it back. And that game currently has like quadruple the player base mm. of the game as it exists now. That's really funny. I've, there's a subreddit called r slash 2007scape. Is I'm he, on there that that? every fucking Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did, did you start that subreddit? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Anyway, so going back to the microtransactions that we were talking about earlier with Star Wars, the reason people fucking hate RuneScape 3, which is the the updated one, is because you can spend real money and literally max out your character, which should take months, upwards of like a year. And people freaking hate that. It takes the spirit out of the game completely. But that game, despite having so many less players... Brings in more money for Jagex than the old school game, which more mm. people like to play. That's funny. Which really sucks. You know, on Reddit every day, people are people talk about that, and it's really tough. But the reason why old school RuneScape is so loved is that they brought back the servers as they existed, and in order to not make people hate the game, every update that happens is pulled by the community and requires, I think, a 70% yes vote. That's incredible. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. actually really fucking 70? Cool. I, it's. I believe it has to be seventy or higher. Wow. To pass. Yeah. So that's so cool. So there yeah. are votes where it's. It, it'll be sixty nine percent. Doesn't pass. Maybe it's repolled in the future. Wow. So, that's so, pr- that's actually like a crazy concept. But that's only for the old version, not yeah, the yeah, new that's, version. That's only right. for the old, far superior version. Yeah. Of the game. Yeah. yeah. The Shout new out. one. The new one. They just updated without any. Uh, yeah. Without, without, without giving a without fuck. Giving a fuck. It's yeah. completely unrecognizable. Shout out to Danny Sewani, friend of the pod. Oh, who, Danny. Who is playing that with me also. Nice. Oh, you guys meet up and trade and cast spells on each other? <laughs> cast spells Land on each parties. other. Land parties. 
All right. Well, that was Brett's catch-up corner. Oh, mommy. <laughs> now let's get to what we've been watching. And before we um, really get too deep, I wanted to talk a little bit about SNL because we haven't really talked that much about it, mm. mainly because it's not great right mm-hmm. now, even though our boy Kyle is on there and he's sort of like in the background and maybe he gets a line in yeah. every now and then. He had a, a long segment in this last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. the Chandling bit. But yeah. that's that's why I wanted to bring it up because uh, this past weekend, Chance the Rapper hosted, mm-hmm. first time hosting, and it was actually a really good episode. Yeah, it was, it was by, definitely the best episode of the year so far. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think all the sketches were strong. I, I felt like maybe one or two were lacking. And uh, I heard that uh, Donald Glover helped him write one sketch. And That's... I don't know exactly which one. I think it may have been the Batman one oh, where really? Beck uh, plays Bruce Wayne. That was pretty funny. And it riffs on Batman like targeting black people in black neighborhoods. True. I feel like that was probably the one. that, Or he maybe the uh, old school rap sketch. Oh, because yeah, yeah. Donald Glover has an old stand-up bit about how old school rap is horrible and no one talks about it. Oh. <laughs> you know, when he's like, I went to the hat store today and I bought a hat. <laughs> and he's like, that's not good. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was really, really strong episode. I mean, obviously, this is not as good as SNL was back when, like, Sandberg and Hater and... Sadakis and Armisen yeah. and like Maya Rudolph. It's kind of a like a, a general rule that the cast that was around when you were in junior high, middle school is like your favorite cast. But the thing is, the cast when we were in middle school was actually like a, yeah, it's fucking amazing. It was one of the golden ages of cast. Like it, it's them, and then like the Sandler Farley nineties, uh, and then the Eddie Murphy eighties, and then the uh, original Chevy Chase Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that they're still trying to find that new golden age because every every major wave of SNL characters, whenever they're around, like they have to kind of play with it and figure out which cast members work best together. And they're all completely different from each other. So it's like, it's not really fair to compare this cast directly to another cast just because they're all different people with different comedic senses. Yeah. It's, I think that it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about how the pie is bigger now. I think that SNL isn't getting who they used to get. Um, they've always wanted to get people before they break and they're still going for that. But like, we're seeing people who could very well do SNL, but they're getting just like straight up TV shows when Mm -hmm. in the past they wouldn't, but now like someone like Bobby Moynihan, someone like Tim Baltz, uh, who is by all means, he would be great for SNL. He's a great improviser, great sketch actor, hilarious. He got a straight up like TV show that he's a co-star of, uh, online, bajillion dollar properties. Yeah. So RIP CISO though. Yeah. So instead of being on, like if you get SNL, it's, it's very demanding the schedule and also it's one year contracts. You're never guaranteed to get to stay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it may just no longer be the most prestigious job that a young comedian can get. I mean, maybe it will at at some point, but I think that I, I don't know if this is the only factor, but I think them letting Donald Trump host last season put a huge, huge, like, stain on the SNL brand. It really did. It's still a yeah. huge Big show. orange stain. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, the, I feel like that show, that episode probably had huge ratings, and I know that Alec Baldwin doing the impression made th- those ratings maintain. Mm. Like, 
SNL has is, is is doing really well in terms of the ratings, but the quality is just not there. I mean, there are moments like I love the Don Jr. and Eric Trump bit. Mm-hmm. That was the opening. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good bit because they're, they're great. Uh, those two are really good at that. Also, are, yeah, yeah. So this is what's going on. Like I can't even name those two guys. What are their names? Do you oh, know? Oh yeah, I mean, I did at one point, but I forget. those two guys—they're always great together, and yep. they do the the. They also have this bit on Weekend Update where they're like douche bros, like yacht, like oh, yeah. yacht bros That's, or something. Yeah, it's mainly the yeah the guy who plays Eric, and he's really good at that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Nard Dog. Have you seen this bit? Mm-hmm. He, I don't think so. He goes on and he's like he's wearing like yacht clothes and he just like he abbreviates everything just like Nard Dog yeah. does. Okay. And like every sentence is like interspersed with at the end of it he'll be like I have a tiny dick. Like, <laughs> I mean, Nard, Nard Dog is a yacht bro. That's kind yeah, of exactly. Uh, that's the yeah, so you have these two guys that are great together and then you have like Kyle and Beck who are also great together but there's no like cohesion between all of them. Like there are moments where you have the cast coming together as, mm-hmm. as a whole but Again, you don't have that cohesion that you had when it was the the golden cast of Sandberg and Hader and all them. Well, I'm glad that it seems on this season they aren't relying as much on guest appearances because that was like a Baldwin. big thing that yeah. hurt them last year was Melissa McCarthy and Baldwin having to be there every episode just so people would yeah. tune in. And, and everyone not got even cast members. Everyone got sidelined. Yeah. Last season. If I exactly. were a member of the cast, I would have been kind of pissed off at that. Yeah. I'm um, glad that they aren't doing that. It seems like this season they're trying to kind of work out the kinks a little bit more um i mean i think this episode it might have been a step in the right direction yeah, what did you what do you think of chance as a host i think he's really funny. i think he's he's hilarious he, he was fun. Yeah, also so we didn't funny. even talk about the family feud bit that, that was, was great that yeah, was, that was awesome. a standout one. He, he nailed it yeah he really did he didn't stumble very much with his lines if at all like he i was surprised a couple because, smiles here and yeah, there but we've, just, we've all been big fans of chance for four years running now uh, and it's before he blew up. Yeah, just every I don't know, just every step he takes. Like I just feel you know a sense of happiness for him because he's genuinely a good person. Uh, you know, he he donates so much to Chicago public schools and all these things. Like he's a good guy, and it's a good. It's just it's really cool that he got this opportunity. They did this. May I, the cynical side of me wants to think it might be because of the Trump backlash that now they're letting like Tiffany Haddish, yeah. a black female comedian, and then Chance. But host. hey, I mean, at least they're doing something. You know, I, Lorne Michaels is not the worst person. Like he did what he had to do as a businessman because the ratings were dipping. So yeah. it it made sense from a business standpoint but now that trump is president like it looks really yeah, bad it does mm-hmm. yeah. so okay so that's that's snl what have you been watching drew now here's a little little throwback for you guys my whole life i didn't like seinfeld uh and it was because i'm i'm willing to admit at this point that it was because i was a child and it's a, it's the most situational comedy of all the situational comedies and it's based entirely upon adult situations yeah. that you encounter as an adult you always wanted to be jewish but you weren't yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I, you know, as a kid, I liked family sitcoms. And that was kind of the point of all those family sitcoms is that the whole, you know, like Friday night, the whole family can gather around the TV and relate to this family on TV. Um, but I completely underestimated the influence that Seinfeld has had on modern comedy. Like it's if you look at sitcoms before and after it is it is night and day uh, shows like Friends owe everything to Seinfeld. Uh, Always Sunny owes so much to Seinfeld There. Seinfeld is the first like insanely cynical comedy that I I can think of that like sitcom on TV where just there is no love there is no everything they hate everything 
And every episode is based around the dumbest thing possible. And they never really learn anything. Yeah, and you just, I don't know. I, I came across a uh, shooting script for an episode, and then I watched the episode. And it, it became a lot more clear to me the game that they're playing. And how it was a lot more... I mean, you know, I've seen... I grew up watching a lot of things that were derivative of Seinfeld. So I was just like, oh, it's just, you know, well, what's the deal? Who cares? But what's it's, the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> the whole concept of the game that they're playing was a huge deal. That's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a really Jesus. like it was a big You've been watching deal too much Seinfeld to have. I didn't understand because everyone would always be like, like my parents would just be like, "Oh, you don't get it? It's a show about nothing." And I was like, "Well, yeah, who cares?" I watched, you know, I watched a bunch of little kids sitcoms when I was a kid, and they were all about stupid shit too. But that's because they're for kids, and when you're a kid, everything is stupid that you care about. Um, but I, I completely underestimated the influence. I didn't, I didn't understand the show right because the look of it is extremely dated. Um, a lot of the jokes are dated just because, like I said, you know, it's become, it's a derivative, it's a source material yeah. for a lot of things that we watch now. But I mean, you can see, uh, like I can guarantee you a hundred percent that Rob McElhenney is a big Seinfeld fan of, uh, you know, creator of always sunny. Yeah. It's, it's the same type of deal where it's just the most horrible people. Uh, doing inane, stupid things the entire episode. Um, also, I mean, it's it's you know it's taboo, obviously, but Michael Richards is like fucking incredible. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he just bursts in like the, Jerry. The physical, the physical humor is is unmatched. I've never seen anything like it. Where literally, He's so tall. Every single time he either enters or leaves a room, it gets a huge laugh. <laughs> like I can't name another character ever that gets that reaction. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, maybe the Michael Richards impersonator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the only one. Um, yeah, Jerry is obviously not a great actor, but uh, you know he's serviceable. Uh, Elaine is great. Costanza is incredible. Um, Jerry's channeling his inner Larry David. Yeah. Jason Alexander is actually fun fact. He's a uh, he's an old Broadway actor. That's yep. what he did before yep. Seinfeld. One in in like season one or two of Seinfeld, they wrote an episode without him in it, and he went up to Larry David and he like cussed him out and he was like if you ever write me out of an episode don't invite me back i'm not going back Damn. and so they included him in every single episode i believe he, he sings in community yeah during, yeah during an episode yeah he's, he's he's a theater dude and his it really comes through like that character it's just i don't know there wasn't really a there wasn't a platform for this type of personality until seinfeld like i feel like the I mean, yeah it pioneered a lot yeah, of i think the, i think yeah. the world just got a little more cynical because of seinfeld and i'm all for that <laughs> And it's all on Hulu, right? Yeah, it is. It's entirely on Hulu. Um, okay, another throwback that I just saw last night is Rain Man. For the first time you saw it last I had, night? Yeah, I had never seen it. Ooh, Starring classic. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, first of all... What eight, year is that? Ni- 98? It was 88. 80, yeah, 88. Oh, 88. Wow. Um, it's, it, I mean, it was, it was fucking great. It won so many Oscars. Best Actor, Best Screenplay best movie best director it won all of those it was nominated for just about everything else little known fact soundtrack Hans Zimmer yeah Hans, Hans Zimmer yes. nice. coming through with a soundtrack that sounds like like Africa by Toto the whole <laughs> movie um, so that that was fun but yeah uh, Hoffman's performance is incredible 80s Tom Cruise I, I get it now like, yeah he's he was at the top of he, his game yeah they, right there's there. so many long takes because the dynamic between him and Hoffman is both hilarious and tragic at the same time. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really sugarcoat like that. It's a horrible, like severe autism is is a debilitating disorder, mm-hmm. and he has a lot of Dustin Hoffman has a lot of like genuine freakouts where like there there will be like a really sweet moment, and then he'll just start like fucking screaming. 
Um, and I, I really liked how they took it seriously. Um, I don't know if they just both looked up the same traits of autism, but Abed is, is a lot From like community. Hoffman's character. Yeah. 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 Just his mannerisms are almost identical to what yeah. Hoffman went for. Talking fast and like... And just the, and the his head like, movements. Yeah, 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 his like very um, jittery... But yeah, also uh, Hoffman, his look, it's and kind of his mannerisms reminded me a little bit of Mike from um, uh, Red Letter Media. Oh boy, <laughs> half in the back. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, yeah. Rayman is it's Brett, amazing. Nope. It's I would oh. I would definitely recommend it. If I if I were to have a critique, it would be Tom Cruise. That there were no. I I love Tom Cruise in this movie. He was so much fun. Because uh, he was just, you know, he, he genuinely cares about. His, yeah, and he, he's just like yeah. a savvy businessman. He talks a mile a minute. It's his brother, right? They play brothers. Yeah, he didn't yeah. know that he had this brother, and he yeah. goes and he finds him because uh, his dad dies, who Tom Cruise's character hates, and he finds out that like some other person got three million dollars, and he's like, "What the fuck?" So he ends up discovering that, oh, I have an autistic brother that's just been living in a home, Damn. you know. And it's yeah, it's so it's it's equal parts very serious and very funny. Um, great, great script, but. Like I was saying, the the one critique I would have is that they they included about four different scenes where like Tom Cruise discovers that he's really smart for some reason, and each time he discovers, yeah, because <laughs> like the whole you know the Raymond thing is that he memorizes things incredibly fast, but there are about four or five different scenes where he does this, and Tom Cruise is like, wait a minute. Like, he's looking at a jukebox. He's like, oh, what was Can't Buy Me Love? And he's like, B5. Tom Cruise is like, whoa. I'm Are like, you some kind of yeah. rain man? Exactly. So <laughs> eventually, brain man? it's just eventually it's like, we get it. He's incredibly smart. Um, they could have had maybe, you know, two scenes like that. And then I was I was surprised at how long it took them to get to the casino because that was what I knew is that, like, yeah, right. he ends up using him to count cards. But really, the movie is more of, like, a road movie. It just takes place on them journeying uh, in a car to L.A., um and it's 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 a great fucking it's a movie. beautiful movie yeah. yeah rain man's actually i think one of the biggest reasons why i hate goodwill hunting so much <laughs> not the it's sidebar a, here but goodwill hunting sucks and it really really rips off of rain man like really hard shout out to ben affleck for winning the oscar for hey ben affleck writing. fuck you <laughs> Matt Damon, fuck you too. Matt, I really like Goodwill Hunting, so fuck you. Yeah, Hunter. me too. That's a good movie. You. It's very fine. Oh it's God. extremely fine, and it's. I would. I would. I think I would call Rain Man better. This Hunter, sp- it's not your fault. It's, it's not, not your, fault. your fault. How about them apples? <laughs> <laughs> the screenplay for Rain Man is incredibly naturalistic. There are so many. I love scenes like this where it's like there's so much happening like there will be a tv on and it's really loud and then there's like a conversation with little kids happening in the corner and then there's like this conversation with dustin hoffman and tom cruise in the other side of the room where they're just talking over yeah. each other because hoffman just goes off on these tangents the scene feels like a juggling act it's, it's just a genuine yeah it was just a genuine like real life moments like yeah. it felt like it was capturing something true about reality that's great where um, did you watch it uh admit me.tv <laughs> That uh, sounds neat. legit. It, I mean, I guess it is. Okay. Allison has an account on it, and it's a free account, and you can watch fucking anything. Oh, nice. Um, All right. Um, so before we get to the front bottoms, I want to talk real quick about the new Greta Gerwig film, mm-hmm. Lady Bird. Now, this, this is actually her debut. First yep. directorial feature first don't she, go too in deep because i'm gonna see it before next episode and we'll talk about it a lot then i okay i'll it'll just be very brief because hunter and i got to see this uh this weekend and 
this is one of the best films of the year. It, I cannot think of anything in this film that did not work for me. Maybe I could nitpick like one or two things, and one of them is probably that the movie is too short, and I wanted to spend more time with these characters, which is not even a bad that's thing. Not yeah, even, that's not even. Yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the great. thing is, is this movie has is incredibly, incredibly well paced, and like you said, I mean, I wanted to spend more time in this world, but I just loved how well paced this movie was. The editing was, is so good. It is. It's amazing. I was laughing out loud to the point that I was like covering my mouth in the theater because I was laughing so loud. I was crying. Like this movie is. It's definitely gonna be in my top five movies of the year. Yeah, it's, it's me too. Really top three, maybe. It's really high up there. It, for it's me. a coming of age story, but it does a really good job of putting you in the shoes of this girl. This girl that's in her senior year, and just the 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 things that just happen to a, a 17, 18 year old girl, and it's so honest and like sincere and touching and and. It's it's a it's a great movie. It's really great. <laughs> I mean, like, and another thing that does a really good job of because it is about this girl in her senior year, and you are able to relate to the girl um, who is played by Sorce Ronan. Yes, yeah, Sorce Ronan. I was trying to figure out of how to um, that. Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. and Brooklyn. Um, nine nine. No, no, just just, <laughs> just, the movie, just Brooklyn. Brooklyn. What uh, was Atonement. She was in uh, the Lovely Bones too. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. she was the main girl in the Lovely Bones. When are we going to talk about the Lovely Bones? Let's not. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah, the but, best Peter Jackson movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. King Kong. The best Jodie Picoult novel <laughs> adaptation. Goldie. Oh, but yeah, well, but we'll, no, yeah, you can really relate to both this girl and to her parents, yeah, and everything that they're going through together. Um, we we shouldn't go too in depth. I, because yeah, I'm not going to talk anything about specifics about the plot, uh, just because I can't wait for you all to watch it. It's so we nice can have a more to in depth discussion to, to just dive into this movie knowing very little about it. I will and say, being surprised. I recommend. By what uh, I recommend after watching the movie, checking out a interview done by Sean Fennessy of The Ringer that he mm. does with Greta Gerwig. Oh, nice. Yeah, very very insightful about her and about on the website. She spent years working on this screenplay it's, and everything. It's autobiographical. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's like certain like plot beats in the movie that she showed this movie to like everybody that she knew and every time she would just like listen in and, on like what people were telling to her and kind of like shape and mold this into what she thought would be perfect. Yeah, and I some people are calling this movie perfect and it's hard to argue with I that. mean, I can't really think of any major faults in this movie. Like yeah. I think that it's going to get a ton of Oscar buzz this year. If you have Ladybird playing anywhere near you, listeners, please go see this movie. If you're going to spend your money on one movie this Thanksgiving holiday and you have the chance to see Ladybird, see do Justice it. League. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, that's Ladybird. We'll talk more about it next week. Before we do front bottoms, uh, I just really wanted to quickly mention something I've been listening to that I feel like I've been sleeping on, and I feel like a lot of people probably are. Uh, Nujabis or Nujabis? I don't know exactly what, how what to is pronounce this? it. I don't know. What it's that is. it's <laughs> it's a Japanese hip hop DJ. Everybody has been sleeping. Yeah, it's <laughs> everyone's asleep. <laughs> he. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, a friend of the pod, Thomas, about it because it seems like he'd be up on this. Yeah, but. There is, he doesn't have much music available on streaming uh, or like at least on Spotify. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't exposed to it. It is fucking like incredible music. It's, it's a blend of so many genres. It's beautiful production work. Um, 
Lore Hill have a lot of jazz influence and then a lot of hip hop, like hip hop percussion, especially. Um, and just he'll, he'll blend so many things there. And he collaborates oftentimes. Well, he'll collaborate with like Japanese, other Japanese musicians, but then also American, like super underground rappers that you've never heard of. But on top of his beats, they sound incredible. It's a perfect collaboration. This this reminds me of like a couple conversations I've actually had with Thomas about this and that like we're in like full on, you know, 21st century here, 17, 18 years into the 21st century. And at this point with the internet, like musicians are able to communicate with other musicians all over the world oh, and yeah. share sounds and, and influences that were completely impossible to do so in the 20th century mm-hmm. that we're getting these really yeah. cool mixtures of sounds. Yeah, like it's not like all these guys flew out to Japan for this. Yeah. They sent him, you know, he sent them the it's, tracks and they sent their verses back. Exactly. It's all online. Um, so we're we're being exposed to new sounds that are so inventive and new and and just this musical fusion that is so fresh it's cool it's great great music for studying or you know just hanging out um just freaking chilling uh (laughs) the the album i want to especially mention is modal soul that's it has what (laughs) modal soul by nujabis (laughs) by the jabberwockies christ um, it Are has, you making this up? Yeah, <laughs> I'm new jobbies. It has the most views on YouTube out of any of his stuff. It has like 12 million. So he's, I mean, he's known. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, but this this album, all of his albums that I've listened to are all like just a, like right around an hour, and this one especially uses uh, the most collaborations with rappers. So there will be probably like six or seven different rappers on there, and then like several instrumental tracks as well. And it's just it's like fucking unreal how smooth this sound is i've never heard anything quite like it before um so yeah i just wanted to plug so that where anyway. where can we listen to this youtube is where i got okay it. cool that's new jobbies he or also Nujabies. yeah also rest in peace he died in like 2010 <laughs> Fuck. holy Jesus shit Christ. so you won't find him on yeah, tour but keep, keep fucking laughing huh <laughs> Jesus. Well, on that note, holy fuck, I, I'm about to I die. Just, I died seven years ago. <laughs> holy fuck, I died okay. in 2010. We saw the front bottoms. Our baby boys. So but before we get too deep into that, just to, I'm sure it's been mentioned, but to reiterate, the four of us here right now used to live together. And mm. when we did... We were fucking obsessed with the front bottoms. <laughs> yes, yeah, like unhealthily. To the point that... Uh, my cat is named Brian after the lead singer and Brian frontman Sella. Brian Sella. Yeah. yeah, like we were in really, really deep with them. Uh, around that time, you they only had using past tense, but I'm still in. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But back then, they only had two albums out: uh, their self-titled debut and, and then, Talon, and then Talon of the Hawk, both of which I am still obsessed with. Yeah, two of the best yeah. albums of the decade yeah. for sure. Um, there, there are a lot of things. If you haven't listened to them, there, there, there's pop punk influence. There's emo. There's folk in there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. straight up yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, and then there's a, a good amount of pop also, yeah. especially with the newer stuff. There's a ton of pop. Um, and then yeah, and then just rock and roll. So it's just it's a great combination of things that at, at first listen you may think that they're just doing a bad Blink One Eighty Two yeah um, rip off. Mm-hmm. But you may even think that it's genuinely a joke. Yeah, because I I've talked to people who have. And the first song that you showed us, Ernie is the one that showed us, and it was Au Revoir. And I thought, okay, this might be a joke. This might be real. Um, 
and I, I've showed it to people and they were like, is this a joke or not? And then you just keep listening and you can't stop listening. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. And then yeah. next thing you know, it's all you can listen to. And then you start talking in their voice and you start singing like this. Yeah. I mean, also, it <laughs> like it didn't really take me a long time to get into it. But some people can't get into it because of get into them because of the lyricism. Like they have a song that's, that's like, I got part. so stoned. I fell asleep in the front seat. Yeah. <laughs> I never sleep in the front seat. I'm too tall, but I got yeah. so it's, stoned. It's kind of just shitting on pop song lyrics and like what, what really matters? What's okay to be in a song? What do you yeah. actually care about? Exactly. I mean, there's, I have this dream that I'm hitting my dad with a baseball bat. Yeah. And, and it's like, did Brian actually have that dream? <laughs> Maybe. Probably. Does it matter? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're they worth getting into. I would say if you want to, uh, start with Talent of the Hawk, because starting with the self-titled is a bit too harsh on the ears. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you, it's like, you know, it's very raw. It's like getting in the, a cold pool. Like, you got to just get your toes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads us to this being our third time seeing them live. Time. Second, Second for, for Hunter. Hunter. Um, but I will never forget the first time that we saw them. Mm-hmm. It was in Gainesville. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast a little oh, really? bit before. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's it was an unforgettable yeah. show. It was like a classic. It was just a classic like 2014 freshman year of college experience. We drove up. Uh, Ernie was frantically editing a student film that we made for a <laughs> festival. Was, it was due like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we went up and it was at this small venue called the High Dive in Gainesville, which was the perfect a spot. A dive for, bar, essentially. Yeah, it was yeah. the perfect spot for the front bottoms. Their opener were uh, Florida natives, so the crowd was crazy into the opener. It was like stage diving from the very beginning. And security was very lax on what you know yeah, you were allowed no, to do. No kidding. And then we get to the front bottoms and they, they closed on twin size mattress and half of the crowd got up onto the stage with the front bombs, including myself. I wasn't even, I didn't even like lift myself up. Everybody behind me, because we were like at the very front of the crowd right by the stage, people started just like pushing me up onto the stage. And I was just elevated to standing right by Brian. What what separates this from other shows? Like why, why are we talking so much about this? I think it's the balance of genres of the front bottoms, the balance of punk, the balance of pop and folk. That makes it so everybody in the crowd knows every single word. Mm-hmm. Everybody's screaming their their lungs out. Everybody's just so into it, mm-hmm. and then that makes the band just as into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is really the evolution of like what punk and emo music is because now, I mean, the bands that used to be like what we would consider like My Chemical Romance and shit like that, like they're all like dads now. They're not. They're not <laughs> punk anymore. This yeah. is the next evolution to that is adding that little bit of indie rock influence into their sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brian and Matt, they are going gray. So they'll be there eventually. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why they called it that. It's because they know this. Yeah, they're getting older. They're growing up. That's that's their new album. That's what they're promoting. But uh, just real quick before we talk about the actual show, Brett, you want to share the story of when you met Brian Sella? Oh, sure. Have I not talked about this? Did I not talk about no. this? No. Oh, okay, uh-huh. so we... Us together, we had saw them in Gainesville, and then a little while after, but not not after the the following album came out, but in South Florida, I was headed to see them at a venue. And we we're driving up along the road, and you know, we're blasting the front bottoms. We we're definitely listening to the feud at the time. Really great song. And on the sidewalk, walking the opposite way, is Brian Sella talking on his cell phone. So we like freak out, open the window, like, "Hey, dude!" Like just trying to get his attention. We park and we wait. We wait for him outside the venue because we know he has to walk back to do the show. And he gets back and 
he's finishing up his cell phone call talking to I guess his girlfriend at the time like Chelsea. drama yeah like front bottom songs in the making happening on his cell phone <laughs> right now last act of a dying cell phone yeah exactly so <clears throat> afterwards we talked to him a little bit and I whip out my yo-yo per usual just to show mm-hmm. him try to try to make it so he like remembers me a little bit he he liked the tricks he took a video of me on on his phone uh, I got a picture with him and that was that so flash forward probably like a year or something I'm in Orlando for school he's he's back in Fort Lauderdale playing and apparently requests for the yo-yo guy like I guess to come on stage or something like that and I wasn't fucking there oh. so my one of my best friends Javon was there and he told me about this and that was that was pretty soul crushing that I couldn't be there for my boy Brian. <laughs> but he was Brian, gonna have you come yo-yo on the stage yeah. with him. Maybe the show. So, yeah. Brian was always he will always think of man. What happened to that yo-yo guy? You know that at the show in Orlando the other night he was probably thinking like I wonder yeah. if he's out there right now. Should I beckon for him? No, no, no. I shan't. I shan't. <laughs> I shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a it was a good show. I. I don't know if I liked it more than I definitely didn't like it more than that Gainesville show, but it was pretty on par with the last time we saw them in Orlando. I mean, they're definitely growing a lot. And each time we go out to see them, it's a much bigger audience. Like this time they sold out the house of blues here in town. Yeah. So their audience they're, is just growing exponentially. Yeah, they're really growing. I would say like, I mean, I didn't see them the last time that they came to Orlando for, I don't know why, because I love this band, I don't know why I wasn't at that show, but uh, <laughs> I really, I really thought it was an amazing show. Um, that's one of the reasons why we all kind of lost our voice was just we were screaming so loud, screaming at yes. the top of our lungs. Now we're just gonna whisper again for we're the feeling a little under the weather. Yeah. But I mean, they played twenty-one <laughs> songs, which was awesome. Long like, that's set, a, yeah, it was a long set. They were really feeling Basement the crowd. Basement was uh, one of the openers. Who Basement were really good. Their set yeah. was cut a little bit short because uh, I learned this from uh, one of my friends. Shout out to Stephen Fessy. True. Um, he's used to be like really good friends with the lead singer of Basement in England together, mm. and the lead singer's brother is their drummer, and. His brother, earlier that day before they started playing, he broke his wrist really bad. So they came like straight from the emergency room to the House of Blues to play their set. And he like he couldn't play because he had a fucking cast on. So they had to teach their friend, Cal, who was just like along with them, like going on the tour, teach them all the songs in like an hour before they started playing. Mm-hmm. So shout I mean, out yeah, to that guy. He did a he great did job. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been listening to a, a good bit of the openers on Spotify for the past couple yeah, days. Bad, 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 hats. bad yeah, the, hats. The first opener was, yeah, bad, bad hats. From Minnesota. They're, yeah, they're Minneapolis based. Uh, they're like, a you know, they have a f- female front woman uh, <laughs> on the, on like... <laughs> They're like kind of. They're not quite as like rockish as like Courtney Barnett, but they're also not as like twee as like a Frankie Cosmos yeah. act. So they're kind of in between. Uh, live, I mean, they did everything right, but they, you know, they weren't like they're not like a live energy getter band. Like they're they're more suited for like a studio. I feel like because their recordings sound really fucking good. Their production is amazing. Um, I almost like their recordings more than I like Basements. And but live Basement was the band that brought all the energy cuz yeah. they were a bit more hardcore. Mm-hmm. They had more members on stage and they were just putting a lot more into it. Um 
but yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, honestly, they're kind of both worth checking out. I, I enjoyed both of their performances. You got to give the, the lead singer of Bad Bad Hats credit for doing comedy bits in between yeah. songs. She was really funny. Very good. good stage presence. She also, yeah. she, the, her like um, English accent that she has is not from any place. Yeah. <laughs> like like no, where, because that's not a Minnesota accent. She She's, sounds like, like a character from Adventure Time or something. Yeah, like yeah. it's not a real, it's not a real thing. Um, But yeah, they were really good. She was really like sweet and very funny. Um. And then, yeah, Basement came on and they just, you know, they were way more of like a heavy rock band, which oftentimes uh, doesn't transfer super well to recording. So I wasn't shocked that I didn't enjoy their uh, recordings quite as much. You compare them to Cloud Nothings at yeah, the time? At live, yeah, live their guitar effects were identical to Cloud Nothings. But in recording, I, I just like I was kind of thinking what happened, uh, they went with a more like heavy sound. Um, and it just didn't, I mean, yeah, I you know, maybe your thing, but it didn't quite transfer for me. Also, they're pretty popular. Yeah, no, Basement's pretty big. I would compare them. I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever listened to Balance and Composure, but mm. they really have a similar sound to Balance yeah, and I Composure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, their most played song on Spotify is like 8 million plays. So they're, you know, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they were good. And then, yeah, our boys came on. This, they did a great job. Yeah, I mean, they, they just put on such a good show, really good energy. Everyone's just so into it, like moshing and pushing and just like getting real rowdy and screaming oh, yeah. the lyrics. It's just such a good time. I think they did a they did a pretty solid balance. I mean, you have to understand with a band, like they just released Going Great. They're going to have to, they need to promote this album. Yeah. Like this is, they're trying to make a living by promoting this album. I thought that they did a great job of balancing the new stuff with the old stuff. We mm-hmm. got six songs off of Going Gray, but we also got six songs off of Talent of the Hawk, three from their self-titled. Like It was it was a good mix. They played my favorite Front Bomb song, Swimming Pool, mm. which was yeah. an awesome song. Every time they played a song from that self-titled, I freaked out, and I yeah. started screaming. They played <laughs> we all, we all Beers, out. Yeah. Beers, which is like one of the most There's raw beer. songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, with them, with them promoting the new album, it helps that those songs are freaking good. They are. I really, really like Going Gray a lot. Yeah. I think it's a huge step forward from Back on Top. It makes Back album. on Top look so like meh. Just it's so like it really bland. Does, well, yeah. back on top was their first album that they made on uh, where, uh fueled by ramen. fueled by ramen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their first album, and you can tell that. I don't know if it was the band's choice or if it was just the production's team choice that they wanted to take this band in more of a poppy direction, and it doesn't really mesh super well with the classic front bomb sound we're on going gray it seems like they found a very nice in between where they are really catchy and poppy the songs but at the same time they have that classic front bottom sound brian can be brian with his lyricism and i'm i'm lower on it than you guys are because their first album yeah on going gray because their first two albums filled a very specific niche that i can't name another band that kind of fills that where it's very poppy but it's not heavy like the tempo is incredible there's always a good amount of speed great drum work uh, pretty good instrumentation a lot of use of an acoustic as a lead which i enjoy with going gray all those genres i named earlier to describe them they kind of turn down the knob on every single one of those except for pop and rock they just turn those way up so it's it's still has a, a lot of hints of like the old emo and the good lyricism but it's just it's more of something that is kind of derivative of like the early 2000s. It's, yeah. It, it just kind of seems less unique to me. It seems less like what they really had going for them specifically. I still like it though. With that said, um, it's, it's 
like it's definitely a catchy album. It's fun to listen to. And you know, it it, it doesn't make me lose hope in the band. Like I'm still gonna be excited for their follow up, which hopefully will be better because they are growing up. They are trying to stay relevant and not make the same album over and over again. Cause I think we would be disappointed if they tried to like go back to the same old sound from self-titled and not be able to nail it as well. Going gray is like what, that's a great title for the album because it's, it's kind of like uh, when Tim and Paula release currents that the name of the title, the title of the album is trying to tell you like, this is a change in that artist's life. They're trying to try something new and different and evolve their sound in a way that is productive to both themselves as people and to the music that they're creating. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to the uh, the one female on stage with them that was playing trumpet, violin, Yo, yeah, she cello, tambourine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she she elevates she elevates that show by a lot. Yeah, she, she did she a adds. great great job. Mm-hmm. Any any final thoughts on TFB guys? Um, we still love our boys. Yeah, I think going gray is definitely a, a step in the right direction compared to back on top. Uh, my favorite song live, which I all it surprised me because it's not my favorite song by them, but was West Virginia. Yeah, that song went fucking love hard of my life. life. Yeah, just because it has those tempo switches in it, where it's slow, you know, for the choruses, and then just goes the verses are like da na 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 na. Yeah, that that played really well live. I'm I don't quite remember, but I'm sure it did the second time we saw them as well. Yeah, and I, I think you know all those again. Just to reiterate, all the songs from Going Gray that they played live live are just better now that we've seen yeah i mean it's it's that whole live. it's the arcade yeah. fire effect where yeah. we saw arcade fire toward their new album live and, and now i have a new appreciation it. Yeah. for it that i think uh my favorite song off their new album is grand finale i think that is just a great song yeah, i think that could is. be in the upper echelon of front bottom songs in yeah. general like it's great just, lyrics yeah you know a great instrumentation all that all the things we love front bottoms for So now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk... Our favorite? What's what's this movie called again? It's... The... the Thor Justice League. The the friends? The super friends? Mm Mm-hmm. It's... Batman's making some kind of league. Oh, yeah. I think that I would call this this movie the opus of all humanity. (laughs) Time to talk about our number one movie of the year coming up next. We'll be right back. I'm about to shit my pants. So I was looking in the mirror this morning, and I see a bunch of white splotchy shit. Then I realized it was just semen. Oh, good. Thank God. Yeah. But was it your semen, or was it Brian's, or Curry's? Um, it was. It was a. It was a mixture. It was a mixed bag of semen. Maybe uh, a little tortilla in there. Yeah, a little bit of tortoise semen. Can amiibos mixing come? with my strep? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh oh. 
I couldn't. You, I could not be more know, disgusted. Have you ever wondered why it feels like there's like a liquid moving around inside of the amiibo? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why. I didn't know if it was like hot cum or not. I figured it probably was. But the always, but the the DNA of the particular semen matches that of the character. Right. Like I can I can make a Mario amiibo ejaculate into my mouth, and then I can come <laughs> on my Switch, and it. A Mario amiibo pops. Yeah, up. and if, then he gets a free copy of, of Baby Mario. <laughs> if you if you tested all the semen in the amiibos, it would all be hunters. Yeah, and we're back. That's a good chance, actually. We <laughs> bought a mic. Episode fourteen, talking Justice League, the new <laughs> Zack Snyder film with a little bit of Joss Whedon sprinkled oh, in there for taste. Damn it! You know what I was gonna say is that this whole episode we should have called him Jacob Snyder and just never mentioned it. <laughs> Oh, the new late. Jacob Snyder yeah, film. That would have really pissed him off. <laughs> Fuck you, Jacob. So before we dive into this review, I just want to say that this movie is going to be a financial failure. It opened at $93 million weekend, and it's going to struggle to make back its $250 million budget. It's not, not going to. I can tell you now it's not going to make back that budget. And that's yeah. just for production. That's not for all the marketing. And believe me, this movie is marketed to hell. Like I see fucking marketing on cereal boxes and everywhere for this fucking movie yeah it's it's gonna be a a failure for warner brothers who already had a failure with blade runner 2049 earlier this year yeah although they co-produced that with sony but still like they are banking on these dc movies being their big money grabs and they're struggling man Mm -hmm. like this and uh, (laughs) harry potter really the best fantastic beats yeah yeah that's the best that they have right now i mean at least they have flashpoint to look forward to to reset everything so that Ben Affleck can get back to directing weird period pieces in <laughs> yeah. Boston. Um, this is one thing I was going to talk about eventually. It might as well be now. Why? I mean, I know there's been lots of struggles, but why did they put this out before a Batfleck movie? Because they needed to... They're competing against Disney and Marvel. They had to rush this. That like that was the exactly. whole point it's, of BBS. It's a rush job because the whole thing with the Avengers is we already knew most of them. That's so we're why. Like, oh, sick! And now it's yeah. just like, oh, okay, here's this guy, and I guess that's Aquaman. I mean, now. I'm not gonna. I don't want to <laughs> give Avengers a free pass because I think that Avengers doesn't do the best job at giving time to each of its characters. But that looks like they fleshed out everybody compared to Justice League when there's all these characters and. We don't know anything about them. Like the reason why Avengers worked so well was that we had all these establishing movies with these individual characters that they don't feel like they have to reestablish everything because you're expected to have just seen these other six movies before Avengers. Yeah. Well, how do you guys stand on these DC movies? Do you think they're all garbage, or is there any hope for any of them? Okay, I've the I've. Haven't ever seen all of Man of Steel except for uh, at the bowling alley where we worked one day and it was playing. Like that a was silent the movie. Film. I was trying to think of the the entire movie that played at at a local. Yep, no, that was, it was that was that Man one. of Steel. I couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> Man of Steel seemed perfectly fine. BVS was uh, bad. Suicide Squad is a fucking dumpster fire. I'm and glad I hope, I'm never going to see I hope that. that I'm the only person at this table who sat yeah, through I've, Suicide I've Squad. I've not seen Suicide Squad. No, I'm the not only reason I went was because Guy and I had free tickets to see Suicide Squad. Thanks, T-Mobile Tuesdays. <laughs> Sick. Sponsor us. Yeah. T-Mobile Tuesdays. Um, and, then, and then we had Wonder Woman, which kind of reinvigorated. Maybe there is a little bit of hope. 
give it's a great movie yeah patty jenkins it's it's a good movie like it's just a good superhero movie like there's nothing extraordinary about great it Great humor yeah it's got good humor good cast. it's not just dark and fucking depressing like bvs but it also doesn't look like a two-hour music video like fucking suicide oh squad did so. well, also ernie and i were talking about how eventually these movies are gonna get better or hopefully and i think it's because the source material is so good can they really fuck up the source material for like years how, and yeah years how are they gonna years? keep fucking it up yeah. that's a good point i actually think that these comics the dc comics are better than marvel like marvel has more mass appeal because there's like you can really target spider-man to a child or an adult and like they can find common ground in there but i think dc just tells better stories with their characters. They're more interesting characters, and they're more grounded in reality too. I don't, I don't know about that because like Superman's an alien, so it's like you have all of these like cosmic beings coming down, but it's just like, like the DC heroes are like our world's mythology, like our version of Greek gods and like Greek mythology. I, yeah, and they. They touch on that in this movie too, which I really like. Is is bringing in the Greek gods? As yeah, well. and there's there is a a more interesting level to these characters that that makes it more that makes it better than than Marvel, I think. But the movies just haven't been able to take that. And and this newest iteration with Zack Snyder at the helm has really botched the Superman character. Like Superman is not supposed to be Batman. He Zack Snyder took Superman with Man of Steel and he tried to make him into Batman, into this guy who's just like brooding and sad all the time and trying to like be like, oh, I don't, I have to do this, but I don't want to. Like ugh. They make Superman extremely unlikable and I don't think that they did much of a job, much of a good job of fixing that in this movie, which we'll get to in uh, a little bit of a spoiler section, but... I mean, it might be partially because Henry Cavill kind of sucks. I wanted but... to say that. I hate Henry Cavill a lot. I think every take involving him in this movie was almost laughable. It wasn't like incredible. He just never has a take where you're like, good take. Like, a cut, that's the one. Like, it's, <laughs> it's never like that. It's like, okay, cut, yeah, we'll use that one. Like, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't care. He's stone-faced. He doesn't make expressions. Like, he he just looks like fucking Superman. I don't think that he's very talented. Well, Brett, you've seen Man from Uncle, right? Oh, God. <laughs> I Why would you bring that back into my brain? Well, like, see... How is Henry Cable in that film? I'm, I mean... Obviously not memorable because I completely forgot uh, about if, that. If a yeah. guy that good looking were a good actor, he'd be in every fucking movie. Right, yeah. He's mm-hmm. not a good actor, so he's Superman in almost nothing else. Yeah, I okay. So let's go into overall thoughts in here before we dive into spoilers. Okay. I let's start with the cast. I think the best thing this movie has going for it is the cast. Mm-hmm. Even though it, there's a lot of scenes that don't work, mm-hmm. the the best scenes just come from yeah. the chemistry between these actors. I, okay, I can fuck with Batfleck, Dad Bod Batfleck. Yeah, I. I don't think that he's. I don't think my issues were he's not with right. my issues weren't with him. They were with the the writing of the, the character, the dialogue. Yeah. Um. But I think that Affleck is a. He might be a better Batman than Christian Bale. The movies are obviously going to be way worse. But like, they're two completely different Batmans, though. Well, yeah. 
I they exist at different points of his life. I think Bat like Batflick is a fine Batman, but he does not ha- know how to play Bruce Wayne. He just looks That's like like why. Ben Affleck. He's just playing Ben Affleck. <laughs> he, as Bruce he uses Wayne. the Batman voice when he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, no, like difference. exactly. Like he, there's no, there really is. There's no line between Batman and Ben Affleck. Or Batman and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see. I okay. For some reason, I I really don't want to rewatch BVS because I feel like I would not be able to make it through that movie a no, second yeah, yeah. time. But I feel like Ben Affleck was actually trying a lot harder to get into character in that film. I think in Justice League, he does not care at all. I think like when he when he's wearing one the foot suit, out the door. When he's point. wearing the suit, he's actually having a little fun. He's like, "Hey, I'm Batman and wearing the suit." But whenever he's not, it's just like he is totally checked out. Cuz like, he's, he's supposed to be like weak and that's why he needs the Justice League is that he's old and he can't really do it on his own anymore. So yeah. maybe that's why he can't really get into it. Um you know what is more egregious in my opinion is I really hate Jeremy Irons' as Alfred. I, I, oh God, me too. For, okay, yeah. first of all, the wardrobe choices they made with Alfred were head scratching. Like he's wearing like combat boots and like <laughs> hipster clothes, <laughs> and just the character in general. It's hard to follow up Michael Caine. Michael Caine was, I think, like almost the platonic ideal Alfred. Yeah. I loved him yeah, as Alfred yeah. a lot more than I loved Christian Bale's Batman. Uh, but I mean, it's not like they gave him much to do it all anyway, but I, I'm not a big fan. Also, Jeremy Irons is on a classic episode of Law and Order SVU. And he, this, this is the only other place I've seen Jeremy Irons. He plays a sex addicted father who like <laughs> fucked his daughter's oh, best friend. Fuck. And he thinks, yeah, he's like, am I a rapist? I don't know. Um, so yeah. that, <laughs> so <laughs> basically Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, there's a lot of moments with these side characters that they're just kind of there. Also, okay. Like J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I don't know even what the point of putting J.K. <laughs> Simmons in that was. No, but like with Jeremy Irons' Alfred, like he, I think that Jeremy Irons is a really great actor, but there reaches a point in Justice League where Alfred basically becomes useless because Cyborg is like, I'll take over from here, Alfred. And then it's like, oh. Bye, Jeremy Irons. Thanks. Yeah. Here's $10 million for your two <laughs> scenes that you shot yeah. with us. So what did you guys think of Ray Fisher as Cyborg? Okay. I have some thoughts because they allude to his backstory um, of this kind of like mon- like this horror element to his his personality where he doesn't really know if he's a human or a robot and it has these like it has some really great ideas to it but it's not elaborated on enough ray fisher as an actor was he's fine fine he's not horrible he was perfectly fine but i hope that in the cyborg movie coming 2020 yes oh (laughs) i'm so ready for that i hope that they actually announced 15 years before the movie came out they were sure July 2020, it's happening. I am there. <laughs> but there's like, <laughs> there's this really great, like the first couple of scenes of them, like this really great body horror kind of aspect to his psyche where mm. he doesn't really, you can tell he's not happy and he doesn't really know what to do with these powers. He's, he's not in control pretty much at all of what's yeah. going on. He's afraid of his own like potential and as a weapon speaking to that that also leads into that most of these characters that haven't been really that we haven't had an establishing moving for like wonder woman uh like with the flash like leading to my thoughts on the flash is that these are all like kind of kids and they don't really have control over their powers mm. like i actually 
I liked Ezra Miller's performance as the Flash, but the the one saving him, grace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that he did a great job uh, with a bad script. I think I'd agree with that. They clearly, I mean, Joss Whedon was brought in to co-write this movie and uh, and the, direct. And the Flash is a comic device in this movie. Every Almost every line he has is a joke. And it works and for it, the most sometimes, part. It works sometimes, some, sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. He provided me with some good laughs. Yeah. Which I really I, there were some parts that I genuinely did laugh at. And, and then he looks like he's that... having a great time. His facial expressions are so yeah. enriching to this movie. Like, he adds a lot to it. And shout out to, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on his name. The dude that plays his father. I think his name is Billy Coden. Um, um, I don't know. I I okay I forget his name, but the dude that that plays um, uh, Flash's father, he has two scenes. Probably shot those scenes in a day, and he knocks it out of yeah, the park. Yeah, he did really <laughs> well. I I yeah. I, Doctor Manhattan from Watchmen. Yeah, I enjoyed most of the Flash bits, um, and I thought that you know he brought some much needed, uh, you know, like come on, it's a, it's a superhero movie. We might as well laugh a little bit. Instead of just being like dead ass serious with this, you know, the the movie had the same uh, dark ass color palette as you know the others. Um, so yeah. it was that tone, but they did bring in a little bit of of humor in there, and it. I think that was you know it was the same thing with uh, Ragnarok, where it's a tweak in the right direction. Okay, yeah. but I think that this alludes to a bigger problem. One of my biggest problems I had with this movie, which was, I had this feeling going into it that there was going to be a really bad clashing of tones and there absolutely is in this movie where yeah everything is very dark and gritty and they try and keep it very grounded but at the same time like you have characters just making little quips and stuff like that and sometimes it does provide a little bit of comic relief but overall i think it just it feels like these are two different movies that were mm-hmm. yeah. merged together into one that, w- that was the the biggest issue i had too the analogies i brought up were it's almost like a culmination of video game cutscenes combined <laughs> with Shark Boy and Lava Girl <laughs> and like some ride at Universal. That's really funny. Speaking of video games, let's talk about Steppenwolf, who looks like he was straight up out of Skyrim. They just took like a yeah, fucking he just looks like a Skyrim. video game character, just some Bethesda character, and we're just like, yeah, oh, generic bad guy. Um, See, one one thing that I I was thinking is like this movie, it's just. It's so forgettable. Like, I'm having a hard time, like, thinking of things yeah. about it. Like, I had to really take notes here's, for the podcast. Here's what I said, like, right when we left. It's not so much a good movie as it is a good checklist. Yeah. Like, they were like, we. it just seems like a, a, a collection of scenes that they had to have. Like, it it seems, like, obligatory and more than it is good. There's so many things that just don't work. Like, the CGI, a lot of times, just looks absolutely horrendous. Terrible. Like, how is yeah. this a big-budget production, mm-hmm. and it just looks like absolute garbage? Yeah. Even within a scene where you can tell that they are on location, like... Aquaman's like fishing village like they actually went to some place that looks like that to shoot it and then it cuts to a shot where you can clearly tell it's in front of a green screen in mm. the same scene and then back yeah. to the location. Which we actually didn't talk about Jason Momoa. I think that he was probably the worst character. <laughs> he looks I, cool. He looks okay, awesome. I was going to say the great costume actor. design is great yeah. for Aquaman. But his writing is so bad. He says at three different points in the movie my man. Yeah. Like what the hell am I watching? Like, oh, Rick also, and Morty right now. <laughs> also, at the end, uh, it wasn't him, but I'm, 
Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> oh, Cyborg. I yeah. wanted to die. Yeah. Well, Quick, there's... T- I, uh, Teen Titans. I just, in general, have a problem with Jason Momoa. I don't think he's a good actor. I think mm. he looks really freaking cool. Yeah. I think he plays a really great Khal Drogo because Khal Drogo doesn't say anything in English. Yeah, that works. <laughs> he's not... Yeah, he's yeah, not still rocky. Um, he's definitely hunky as fuck. He's got the bod. I think... I think... Can we get to spoilers? Because I just... Uh, I, I have an argument that I want to make. Yeah, any any final thoughts? I have one final thought. Um, before we get to spoilers, I I really think that this movie is like slowly inching to what I want to see in a Justice League movie. Like the, the the there is deep deep inside of this movie there is something good, something great. Even it's just covered up by all this bullshit because it's a, essentially a product to sell merchandise. It's not really a film. And I would have loved to see the version of this where, like, Joss Whedon takes full charge and and is able to make, like, a character piece. That's never going to happen. But I really think that maybe one day we will get a Justice League movie that works. And this this is is, is a hint of that. And, and there are moments that, like, give me a little bit of hope that we will see that. But for the most part, it's just not... I can't recommend this movie. I'm sorry. Like I, I can't I can't say that you should go out and see this because it's just not it's not worth your money. It's not worth your time. It's it's sad because I love comic books and I love these characters, but it's just not there yet. Okay, I think that this might be the most mediocre movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It is the ultimate 5 out of 10. Like, it's not a terrible movie. It's better than BVS and a hell of a lot better than Suicide Squad, but that doesn't make it a good movie. There's always... There's just, like, the perfect mixture of both good things and bad things in this movie. And the bad things are really bad, and there are some really, yeah. really good things yeah. in here. Well, yeah, we'll get more into that, yeah. I'm sure. That's... Okay, I, I'm going to agree with that and say... I was kind of keeping almost a tally in my head of every scene. Like you may have even noticed, I was in like after every scene, I would just kind of like I would nod and be like, "All right, that was yeah, that was all right," or I would just be like, "Eh, "Yeah." Like it's it may be a slightly above like dead average movie. Like I might give it a five point five, but the problem is they are have they have an amazing cast, they have an amazing budget, and they have an amazing source material, and this is what they're coming up with. And yeah. the script is just bad. Just it's, it bad just makes script. you think like you you cannot possibly make a good film if you don't have a good script to to have a good foundation mm-hmm. for that film. If they half ass the script, you're not going to end up with a good yeah. film no matter how much work you put into it because you need that strong foundation. Yeah. Like there were it's like you said there were scenes that were all right and there were scenes that were not so great. There were no scenes that were just like like a travesty and there were no scenes that were like incredible. It's I thought just, there were a couple I, scenes I, that were a travesty. Yeah, I'd say there was one or two that <laughs> yeah. were travesties. Like what? We'll get into it in yeah, spoilers. Okay, so I'll, any I'll, any final thoughts before we Okay, I'll, I'll I'll just add one more thing. I was the only person here who didn't use a movie pass to watch this <laughs> but i don't i don't regret having paid to see it honestly see, serviceable like, it's, entertainment it's yeah, exact, exactly like it's just it's fine like it's not like you're like wow i fucking wasted my money seeing this movie but it's also just like not like i'm gonna go tell yeah, my yeah. friends like oh like, my god Bre- you gotta go brett see and it. i went on a nice cute date to see it Aww. you know he took me out bought me That's shrimp sweet. and it was beautiful <laughs> we held hands the whole time you guys want a shrimp date yeah it was oh. amazing also the theater was full, which yeah. was refreshing. Yeah, it was it was absolutely packed, like a full stadium seating. All right, so now 
Let's get into We bought a mic spoilers We, 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 we bought a mic spoilers Spoiler alert, bitch Ooh, mummy Okay, so it's not a too much of a spoiler, but Superman fucking comes back to life what? in this movie. Are you telling me that the dramatic moment of BVS was totally undercut in this movie? <laughs> and I just want to say, I would love to see the version of this movie where they kept the mustache. Because <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying. They spent like $20 million yeah. on removing Henry Cavill's uh, apparently contractually obligated mustache yeah. for some reason. And it's, and it and it's very distracting. It's very apparent. It's horrible. There's, From the very first It looks first like he shot. has the largest upper lip in human history. <laughs> Holy shit. The first scene was so, so cringy. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I'm like, okay, because I didn't know about this whole mustache thing. And mm. most people don't don't know about this yeah. going in. And I'm watching this You can first just scene. tell something's off. I'm like, why the fuck is he CG right now? Like, is could they not afford to That's, have him in the yeah, movie? Yeah, because I'd forgotten. I read it like a long time ago about the mustache, and then I forgotten, and I was watching it, and I was like, did he like lose jaw definition? <laughs> like, so they had to CG it back in. It's just the whole bottom of his face is fucked up. He's fucking cyborg. <laughs> I okay. Well, speaking to that, the first scene with Batman before we get the Justice League title looks like some shit out of a TV show. Like, it looks horrible. It looks so. Bad, so bad. Like I don't know how this can be a two hundred and fifty million dollar budget movie, and it just looks like trash. Obviously like that. shot on a sound. Clearly stage. a stage. Like yeah. it's not yeah. even close. See, that's like, what I'm. That's what my main argument is. This has every reason in the world to be a good movie, and it's not. It's like it's. That's why it was so fucking disappointing. And actually, now that you mention it, looking like a TV show, this whole movie. It, the aspect ratio is like almost sixteen nine. It really like is. it looks like, like a TV, sh- like a, something you'd watch on YouTube or something. They were it, just it's not a wide. Justice aspect. League is going to get so many plays on like FX whenever it in like a year, and they <laughs> yeah. were just planning for that. <laughs> oh, one one thing I I wanted to say, um, I I forgot to say it in pre spoilers. Not really that much of a spoiler, but. This movie, it com- almost completely forgets all the other movies that have been set up in this continuity before. Like, much like Thor Ragnarok, you know, completely changes the way these actors portray these characters. This movie sort of does the same thing. Like, th- it, it, the actors are, you know, the actors that we've seen before. Obviously, we haven't seen Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg. But Batman is completely different. Wonder Woman, completely different. Like, she, we... We are invested in her because we had a whole movie to care about her, but on the surface, there there's nothing for her to do. Batman is absolutely useless. Yeah, he, and he can't do anything. And Superman is somehow... Uh, they are doing the Superman that they should have always done, the Superman from the comics. They're finally doing him in this movie. The hopeful, bright colorful like beacon superman they had not established that superman at all in the previous movies okay i think that that might have been like more of a joss whedon thing coming in because if you think of the first the scene where they bring superman back to life although i think it was probably the coolest scene of the movie where we have evil Superman and it's like it reminded me of Injustice basically of like the video game Injustice where like all these heroes are teaming up to take down evil Superman why why like what what purpose does that whole scene set up aside from just let's have all of our characters fight each other yeah. like Superman's 
once again, he's the evil guy. He's the bad guy. Like I actually thought this, that that was one of the most interesting parts of the film because I didn't know where it was really going to go. I thought that maybe that would have been a much more prominent plot point is to have evil wasn't. Superman. Yeah, because that would have made it, went away. That would have made a much better movie than what we got is to have evil Superman full on yeah. like antagonist version. There was I, I also thought that there was going to be a mention of so so there was the the big gun. And the big gun ended up being Lois Lane to bring Superman back down. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was going to go into the discussions of how Batman actually has plans to kill any one member of the Justice League in the case that they go rogue. I know that's a big part of the comics. And they really just didn't go into that at all. Yeah, and see, the thing with... what I was alluding to this earlier, speaking of like the version of this film that I would have wanted to see imagine if they would have defeated steppenwolf in their first encounter with him and then the next hour of the movie is them just hanging out and you have that full on joss whedon like avengers 2 them hanging out in in the stark um in the shed and and the 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 stark tower or in hawkeye's house where they're just talking like that would have made for a much much better movie we're never gonna get that movie Mm -hmm. but like you don't give a fuck about steppenwolf like who gives a shit it's so bad and mother boxes like they don't even try to explain that? that and like the more that you think about it they're just like, after they bring Superman back to life, they're like, we have to hold on to this third mother box. This is the only way. As long as we have this mother box, then he can't take over the world. And then they just like completely fucking forget they just, about the they mother box. They just leave it there. They just leave it there. Yeah. They just fucking forget about it. That was just, rough. That was, ugh. Such shitty writing. Yeah. I will say, speaking to of that scene um, with evil Superman, one of the best moments in the movie um, is when Flash is running super fast and is like super speed mode, and you just see Henry Cavill slowly like turn his eyes over yeah. and like look at him. And that was his, funny. And Ezra's fun, like, funny oh part of the shit, yeah. slow yeah. mo face. That's a great little yeah. bit. Uh, and that whole fight that follows is really well done. Ezra, his running motion is goofy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. I, hopefully, and when it's he, like he weird. trips around. It's yeah, so it's, good. I love when I love when he trips at one yeah. point. That's really I, I wanted to bring up that moment though because that was a genuinely hilarious moment in a movie that needed a couple more. Probably, yeah. There was that moment, and then there was the um, Aquaman the sitting Aquaman, on yeah. on the loss of truth. That is such a Joss Whedon moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's a great scene because it's not only the one scene where Jason Momoa actually gets to say more than my man, my man. Like he actually gets some lines out, and he's actually really good. And, you know, you there's nothing else for him to do the rest of the movie other than look hot. But that's a cool moment where they're just talking, having fun, having a laugh. Like, it's probably the best scene in the movie. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of back and forth, even in the direction of just really good and really bad. So you ta- you mentioned, like, the how that first scene with Batman felt like you're watching a TV show. And then you get these really cool Zack Schneider shots yeah. that look really awesome. There were some great looking moments, absolutely. Especially Flash. Like yeah. all the effects around Flash. Flash. Good stuff. Aquaman had a really cool moment in the water. Which sets up his movie, which may end up being really interesting because you see the drawings of him on the walls, like how they have like cave drawings yeah. of mm-hmm. him, and you wonder like what is the whole lore around this guy? Like it's really interesting. He's like a, the millennial Atlantean in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could be a it could be a good movie there, but you know, just Justice League itself, like I think overall, um, with uh, regards to Superman, it gets the character right, even though it retcons most of the stuff that happened beforehand. 
Um, but still, it's like it doesn't feel like it was earned because he just he's evil he's like freaking out when he is reborn but then he just talks to lois lane and he's magically and he brought becomes back like boy scout type like let's read that's this all one happened. line that uh that i actually wrote down because i had to cover my head like in my hands whenever he said this superman comes back to stop steppenwolf for the final battle and uh he his quote direct quote says i believe in truth but I'm also a big fan of justice. And when yeah. he said that, everybody in my audience were like cheering, erupted, woo, going yeah. crazy. And I was like, I'm going to fucking kill myself. This is that, the worst. It's worth saying like we, our theater was pretty empty, but the people in there were really enjoying the movie. Yeah. Like people like this movie. What um, did you guys think of, um, Diane Lane as Ma Kent? Uh, um, fine i mean actually i thought she did a pretty good job okay, for the little bit i she like had to uh, do. her and a uh, uh lois lane scene together yeah, that was a good scene. that was a good scene yeah. that was just oh very, just two also, humans i thought about. i thought lois lane's like final monologue to wrap up the whole movie was horrendous oh god it was, <laughs> it was so, so lame. lois lane writes the worst piece of journalism <laughs> ever like what the fuck is she even saying she's like She's like, oh, yes, so all the other movies we made were really dark and gritty, but now we're going to be hopeful and bright and colorful, so yay. I feel like like Amy Adams just has to hate that she's in these movies, and she has to realize that she's totally wasted, and she's just cashing that check, cashing that huge million, multi-million dollar check. It's sad, because she's such a talented actress. Yeah, and it's just... Compl- so much talent is wasted in these movies. It's it's uncanny. especially Amy Adams. Like, so what what I would have liked is Ernest mentioned what if Steppenwolf was defeated in the very beginning, and then moving on from that, what if they resurrected Superman and Superman was actually bad, not just in like a, a little haze mm-hmm. for a little while. What if he was the antagonist for a while? That I mean, that would have been a lot more interesting, and it's it's really similar to something Andy Greenwald said about Stranger Things, which is if they really had balls, they would have made Will the villain of season two. Yep. It's it's the same deal where they're they're kind of bad, but then they turn good again. Yeah, they allude to it, yeah. but they don't commit to it. Yeah, like I just I I would that would be so much more of an interesting and compelling story if which, we would have gotten. That. Which is the story in uh, the first Injustice, or yeah. no? This it's one of the Injustice games where you have Superman like. I'm pretty sure it's the first one where Superman actually becomes like an overlord of the entire planet and he makes like all of planet Earth succumb to his power and his rule. And then Batman has to travel to an alternate dimension to get help from an alternate Justice League to defeat this overruling Superman. That's so DC. Mm. Like that's what I want to see from these movies is go that full like wacky crazy comic book and not try to be like this overly serious morbid shit and they're trying to take like i feel like they're trying to take aspects of that but then they're also trying to directly rip off of the marvel model and just trying to mesh these two things together it just doesn't work just commit to being a dc thing like you don't have to be like marvel like what the the cw shows are doing i mean i don't watch any of those shows but they're going full full comic book and just doing shit straight out of the page I mean, I don't know if it's any good because I haven't seen I mean, the I've shows, heard that, but at like, least the they're Flash committing. Show is really good. I've heard great things about like all the DC True. shows. Do you guys know uh, what's up with like the contract issues involving like Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio, the screenwriter? Like, when are they going to get rid of them? Um, 
Well, I feel like Zack Snyder is done just because of the tragedy that happened to him. I feel like he's just going to step away. Well, also, it's just like after BVS, it would seem like unless there was like a contract in place, they would be like, all right, we're going to go a different direction. But well, then they kept both of them. Well, DC doesn't have a... Um, uh, what's his name at Marvel? Kevin Feige? Yeah. They don't have their own like Kevin Feige figure. They don't have an overseer of all the movies, which... Is Zack why Snyder kind of is that guy. Not which anymore. Is the problem. Well, he, he was. He, yeah, he was. He was supposed to be that guy. I mean, I I really I'm sorry for Zack Snyder and the tragedy that happened to him. It's it's absolutely horrible. But he should not be making these movies. No, like, he they're shouldn't. not like, good under his direction. Like he knows he knows how to frame a, a pretty shot, but he sacrifices that for the story and he doesn't care about telling a good cohesive story that you that you can relate to yeah that that struck me a lot in this movie there's not a lot of cohesion like you i'm there's a way to execute properly just a movie with a lot of like cut to an open field and there's just a whole different thing happening like that obviously is it has a big role in a lot of movies with that juggle a lot of things but this movie didn't seem to bring them all back together it just seemed like a lot of fractured story yeah lines. which is what we brought up on the pod before with that nerd writer video the mm-hmm. moments instead yeah. of scenes yeah how zack snyder That's all just, that he does he prioritizes just, he tries to basically create a painting with just certain frames Mm. And it doesn't actually make for any kind of cohesive yeah. story. That's reflected in the script too, like the the one liners. They really yeah. get to me, like the one that you mentioned. I can't I can't stand when it's just full of those one liners and not good dialogue. Yeah, they get a good laugh out of the audience, but then it's like, oh well, yeah, cool, I guess. Well, let's also not forget the callback to BVS that's in Justice League when evil Superman shows up and asks Batman. Do you bleed? Yeah, and then later on, Batman's laying on the ground like, "Oh yeah, something's definitely bleeding." <laughs> that got Good a big one, laugh Joss. in my theater. And I was oh, like, oh, one thing before I forget, uh, I hated the sexual tension between Wonder Woman and Batman. Yes, so unnecessary, so forced. You, like, we don't. Oh need, you don't need it was that. almost kind of gross because it seemed like it was between Wonder Woman and everyone, and all of them, everyone. Yes, like they they were just kind Ugh. of using her as a as a prop a lot. Like, yeah, with so the flash. The scene, that the scene where in the uh, in like the dark street where she's talking to Cyborg, her tits are out for no reason. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, I mean, yeah, dude, it sucks that we had Patty Jenkins make a great female superhero movie. That doesn't sexualize the character doesn't at all. Doesn't sexualize her at all. And then we have this, which, back to Joss Whedon. Yeah. And, well, Joss Whedon's already known for his shitty... Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, Joss Whedon's not Well, now that you know this movie's going to be a financial failure, do you guys think that they're going to retcon it again? Is Ben Affleck going to be out? Because he looks no. like he looks like he doesn't want to do this anymore. I feel like he doesn't want to do I mean, this yeah. anymore. We all, but... you know, we all saw the viral uh, "Hello Darkness," my old friend, yeah. press junket <laughs> Sad flag. from BVS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he, you know, he's used to being in. I mean, he's been in some fucking bombs, but like he's successful, and yeah. he. I'm sure it sucks to just get questions like that. Like, hey, are you familiar with how bad everyone thinks the movie is? <laughs> so then, could somebody else in the Justice League? play the role of Batman. You know, the combination of Cyborg with the Flash, well, they could kind of make up for that. Well, see, here's the thing. Uh, Warner Brothers has announced a Flashpoint movie, which basically means that the Flash goes back in time to change something, and he goes back to the present, and everything is different, including uh, Bruce Wayne was shot by that mugger instead of his parents. So his father becomes Batman instead of Bruce Wayne. 
So if they do Flashpoint as they do in the comics, Ben Affleck doesn't need to be there. They have Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who oh, played uh, Thomas Wayne in the BVS opening credit sequence. If they're even going to bring, <laughs> I, they don't have to bring him back either. Um, like. But yeah, I mean, they announced that they're. It's basically like a like a reset button, like a contingency plan, and I think they're gonna go with it because this movie is not doing well critically or financially. He does. Uh, Barry Allen does talk about the Speed Force a little bit. Yeah. So they set that up. Yeah. So we'll see. Any any final thoughts, guys? I mean, I just hope that they kind of go the route that at this point, Warner Brothers is going to go the route that Fox is with their Marvel properties, where they're just going to try and do very unique and different things. Like we talked about a little bit when in our Thor review of how Fox is just trying all kinds of different things, like with Logan and now with um, the, not Inhumans, um, New Mutants. New Mutants property, how they're just trying to create all these other genre films. I think that if they bring in other like creative filmmakers to make these spinoff movie or not spinoff movies but like cyborg or flashpoint or something like that we could get like really unique movies that can stand alone on their own yeah and that they don't have to be tied in and they be just, like commercials need, for the next movie. they need some other direction here it's just it's they have to realize at a certain point this is not working yeah mm. well i i don't know what else to say i mean it's not a great movie oh. but there is some guys guys good let's talk it. let's talk about that post credit sequence deathstroke well, yeah deathstroke i didn't even i left oh. <laughs> yeah Bro, it's, you missed out on some good old jesse it's jesse eisenberg, jesse eisenberg. back I as lex luther i hate that cast <laughs> that casting so it's much. it's so ugh. i i think he's that, trying to play the joker almost true. like with his like i think behavior. this is a phenomenon that's happening in sports now as well where the traditional logic in sports has always been, well, you know, good players, good team. It turns out that's not the case. This movie has the good players. It's missing the administration. That's what happens. No good in, coaching. That's what happens in sports. A team will be bad for 40 years just because the people in charge of it are stupid. They need to change who is in charge of these movies, who is at the helm creatively, because it's just... It's it's like the definition of insanity. It's just being proven over and over that it's not quite working. I mean, like like we said at the beginning, it's just the product. They they're just yeah, interested in moving it's, money. They don't care about making guys, a good movie. It just can made me we sad. stop going back to Zod ship? Like fucking drop the Zod, okay? Like they are stretching this out so hard True. that we had it in Man of Steel. Then we went back there in BVS, and now we're here again, in Justice League. Like. Just fucking yeah. Zod. Let's just drop it and it's, come up with something new. It's just this, this new. mystical thing. Ooh, what mysterious powers? Yeah, does but this like, have? there's all kinds of other mystical things in this universe. They just, it comes so across many. as so lazy yeah. that they just keep going back to this one yeah. ship. It's like, did any hardcore DC fans like want Steppenwolf that badly? No. Like, <laughs> who the fuck even cares? Like, mm. god damn it. DC has a knack for fucking up the villains. Really? It's, yeah, bad. it's pretty wild. Overall, it's it's. It's just like I said, the main thing I keep on thinking is it's it's an average movie that has every reason in the fucking world yeah. to be a great movie. I'd give it, it a I'd give it a it. five. It's, it's the, a five. It's a five. It's very very mediocre. It's very not fine. horrible, but you know, not even worth your money. All right, let's uh close it up with some plugs. You can email us at webottommike at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. Let us know what you thought of Justice League. Are you a huge Snyder boy from back then? Like, do you think we're totally off here? Let us know. Actually, uh, Danny just 
messaged me right now while we were recording and said that he loved our We Fought a Mike segment. Hey, 10 out of 10. He also it. sent me that text. So <laughs> so let us know what you thought of We Fought a Mike and give us suggestions for future mm. topics. Yeah, I got I to gotta cook up another hot take. Yeah. I don't think I have anything that's spicy. I, I gave you an idea at the concert. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. reiterate to you. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got anything to plug? Uh, yeah, add me on Old School RuneScape. My name is Extremum, E-X-T-R-E-M-U-M. Whoa. Nice. Or just follow me around in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just follow me. IRL. Yeah. Stalk me. I'm going to plug Finding Me. <laughs> you can find me in real life. And on Twitter, at Drew Dietzen. If you don't follow me at this point, like, what the hell? You know what, guys? Like, I'm telling people every week to give me follows, and they'll get me back onto the Twitterverse, but <laughs> still not getting any new follows, That's so yeah, I guess gonna work. Shout out never going to gonna get on Twitter again. Hunter's reason for following him is that maybe if you do, he'll do stuff yeah. on Twitter. Maybe. I'm not going to commit that yeah. I will, follow but a, I might. Follow a dead account in the hope <laughs> that it might become alive again. And Follow me on at pornbots.com. <laughs> yeah. And you can follow me at Caldernist on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for uh, coming through, Brett. Thanks yeah, for coming yeah. back. It's been good. Yeah, yeah, we'll have yeah. you on again. Oh, uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Perhaps. Maybe. We'll, Another, yeah, we'll reach out to you. Happy Another, Thanksgiving, guys. Have a Eat great lots holiday. Of fucking turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing. And, we'll be back. And AIDS. We'll be back 20 pounds heavier. Ooh. Bye. Hey. Oh, man. Go see a doctor. Oh man, the splotchies are coming back. (laughs) We need to like soak his mic in alcohol.